Shall I? Shall I? Shall I? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to Beatles Around the Bush. Uh, I am Robert Bynes Black. And I'm Kate Bush. Oh, no, I've done it wrong, haven't I? <laughs> oh. uh, we are failing at this. I am Sarah Gibbs. I am a comedy writer. Apparently, I am very good at that. Um, and uh, author of Drama Queen, One Autistic Woman, and A Life of Unhelpful Labels. By the time this comes out, my next book will have been announced. It is called Eight Bright Lights. It is about uh, three Jewish women uh, um, doing stuff. <laughs> on the eight days of Hanukkah, life stuff. It's a romantic comedy. Um, it is funny, apparently, according to um, people who read it and my husband, um, who uh, has to say that. And um, I am a Beatles fan, and we—that's why we're here. I'm not just here to promote my stuff. I, I like the Beatles, and um, I'm here to tell my bestest buddy Rob all about them. And and this is Rob. Hello, Rob. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rob, and uh, <laughs> I've never written, written anything of any note. Uh, don't plan on writing anything of any, any note. Uh, After he dies, no one will care. No one will care. That's what it will say <laughs> on my epi, epilogue. No, that's yes. what you get. Yeah, that's, isn't an epilogue at the end yeah, of a epilogue at the end of a book? Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. Um, and uh, I am a capish. Right. This is going to be a fun one. I can tell already. <laughs> Uh, I am a big Kate Bush fan, and so I am taking Sarah through uh, her Kate Bush journey. And I'm I'm actually really excited about next week's episode. I gave the album a little listen to sort of try and listen to it, how you might be listening to it for the first time. And I'm very excited. But before we get on to that, we have a very interesting Beatles album to uh, attend to. Yes, yes, we do. Um, so this is the first of several soundtrack albums. Um, this is A Hard Day's Night. Um, but first, um, let me take you on a little journey back in time, back to yesteryear, all the way back. I could do a sound effect, but that's much better. We're going to sort that out in post. <laughs> no, no, we're not. Um <laughs> We're going back in time to yesterday, all the way back to November 1963, where I left you with I Want to Hold Your Hand and This Boy being released and going straight to number one because it's the Beatles and everything they do wins. Um, I Want to Hold Your Hand is the track that finally breaks them in America with the B-side of I Saw Her Standing There. Um, until then, Capital were stubbornly refusing to release um, their previous singles. Um, so they were released on like tiny labels and they flopped. But in the aftermath of the Kennedy assassination, I guess um, the Americans needed cheering up. And also um, they were getting news from Europe about these Beatles who were taking over the world. Um, and I guess, you know, FOMO. So finally, um, they they smashed it in America. And they always said that they didn't want to go to America until they were number one there because other people had tried and failed and they didn't want to come back with egg on their faces. Um, so then in that time, um, they are still dominating Europe. Um, they put out their first Christmas fan club message. Um, these are very famous. That's why I mentioned them, because they're a lot of fun. And they uh, mentioned Frida Kelly, who is a big hero of mine. If you don't know who she is, look her up. Watch the, doc the documentary Good Old Frida. Um, you won't regret it. Anyway, um, so... 
29th of December 1963 is the date that I Want to Hold Your Hand is broadcast on the radio for the first time in the USA. Um, in early January, it starts to very slowly climb the American charts. And John uh, prophetically says that he does not expect it to be a hit. <laughs> hmm. Little did he know. Mid Mid January, the boys arrive in Paris for a series of shows, and it's there on the 16th of January at the Georges V Hotel that they receive word that I Want to Hold Your Hand is number one in the States. And the celebrations are raucous. Paul rides roadie Mal Evans around the room on his back. Um, Brian Epstein, their manager, is pictured with a chamber pot on his head. Uh, It's all all fun and games. Uh, Presumably an empty one. Hopefully an empty one. Poor Brian. Um, And Capital begins frantically releasing everything it can of the Beatles in the US. Even My Bonnie that they uh, recorded in Germany during the Hamburg years to back up uh, someone else is released. Um, By February 3rd, they've gone gold in the States. And on February 7th, they arrive at JFK Airport, um, returning kings. They they arrive to Pandemonium, not returning, they've never been there. Mm. They arrive to Pandemonium. There's a press conference before they're taken to the plaza. Very famous press conference, which I sent to you, Rob, mm-hmm. which you watched. No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was, there was uh, a lot of stuff that came my way and I had to sort of yes. pick and choose. The, uh, okay. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a very funny press conference where they answer questions in a very silly manner. But if I try to replicate it, it won't be funny because it's all in their delivery. So, Although uh, it was sort of, just... that, that was sort of mimicked in the film, wasn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. not as good in the film. Mm. It, it's they, they're very funny off the cuff, um, and you know they they're sort of just giving smart Alec answers to to silly questions, really. Yeah. Um, so the 9th of February is really, I think, the moment that changes the whole world. Um, on the Ed Sullivan Show, they are broadcast um, to an audience of 73 million people. Oh wow! Um, yes. It's bigger uh, than the UK's population, isn't it, even now? Yes. I I don't know. I say yes, confidently. Yes, I know stuff. (laughs) Um, The Beatles performed five songs, and then they were on the show for two more consecutive weeks. Then Beatlemania is just all go in the States. They come back to the UK, um, immediately begin filming A Hard Day's Night. They film it in just seven weeks um, because it has to be completed over 16 weeks. Screenplay is by Alan Owen, um, directed by Richard Lester. And Wilfred Bramwell from Steptoe and Son um, played Paul's grandfather. Hence the running gag that I did not get when I watched the movie um, to the ire of Twitter. Um, <laughs> but like, you ignoramus, how can you not understand this hundred-year-old reference or whatever it is? <laughs> uh, anyway, um, quick, quick facts. Paul met his you wife. You didn't say Patty what Boyd. the reference was. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> no, did not. Did I? <laughs> um, that, that he is a dirty old man. That's a Steptoe and Son reference. And they keep saying that Paul's grandfather is very clean. Yeah, all the way, literally all the way through. I mean, they never drop it. Uh, they do not. George met his wife, Patty Boyd, on the set of the film. She played a yeah. schoolgirl that they hit on. Oh. Let's uh, move right along. While this is happening, uh, John Lennon publishes In His Own Right, which is a sort of collection of his short stories and doodles and things. And it's actually uh, quite critically acclaimed at the time, although I, 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 it has not aged well. The film premieres at the Pavilion Theatre in London on the 6th of July, 1964, um, on the eve of Ringo's 24th birthday. That's how young they are. Wow. Ringo's the oldest. Mm. Um 
It's attended by Princess Margaret and Lord Snowden. Piccadilly Circus is beset by 12,000 fans. Soundtrack's released four days later. It's nominated for two Academy Awards. Um, and now we get on to the album. So, so first of all, you watched the film. Did. How, what did you... What did you make of uh, of the movie? I enjoyed it actually. I, I thought it was good fun. Um, you know, it didn't have a very strong plot, but that kind of wasn't the point, I don't think. And actually, the plot just sort of changes randomly halfway through. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, sort of like, oh, can can the Beatles still have fun despite being in this world where everyone wants wants a piece of them, basically. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was it was good fun. Yes, there were some outdated references and ways of thinking. Uh, but, you know, what do you expect? And they actually, I was surprised how well they acted. And, mm. you know, I think they were playing themselves, but I'm sure sort of extreme versions of themselves and kind yeah. of maybe a bit happy-go-lucky versions of themselves. Because from what you've told me on the previous shows, you know, there have been some anger issues along the way for certain members, which you didn't see. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I thought it was quite good, actually. I, mean, I enjoyed watching it. And then just really weirdly and fortuitously, it turned up yesterday on BBC Two when I was yeah. switching channels. Or like three months ago or whenever this comes up. Uh, yeah. Yesterday for me today. Yeah, correct. Yes. Um, but uh, that was a bit strange because, well, it was strange for me because... Of course, the Beatles are everywhere, but I've sort of never been part of the story at all. Like, it's never been something yeah. that I've followed. So actually just seeing it on TV, I was like, oh, it's, I'm doing a mainstream thing. <laughs> you know? I know uh, those guys. Yeah, exactly. Whereas normally, obviously, if I'd seen some black and white Beatles show, I probably would have skipped. And I did anyway, because yeah. I, ju I just watched it on Amazon. So it didn't, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. This album is the first album where all the tracks are written by Lennon McCartney. Um, there is no Ringo song on this album. Poor Ringo. This is like very much a new sound for them because George Harrison got this 12-string Rickenbacker. And so that sort of guitar sound defines this album. Mm. And the harmonica sound is quite prevalent on it. And the songs are more complex mm -hmm. and contemporary and a little less 50s and doo-woppy. And there's more harmonies. And so they're starting to sound more Beatles-y. Title is a Ringoism. So Ringo is quite well known for his what do you call them, malapropisms? Yeah. Is that how you say it? Mm -hmm. He came out of the studio after a long day and said, oh, it's been a hard day's, and he was going to say like a hard day's work, and he looked, looked around realised it was night and said, it's been a hard day's night. Right. And uh, everyone thought that was very funny, and so they they nicked it for the mm. song. So here we go, onto the album. I'm very, very excited. What? So overall, how how did you feel about this album? Yeah, it was it was good. I... It, uh, to be honest, it took me a little time to get into. Like, it took me a few listens mm. to kind of uh, get it into my head. And it did sound like... I, I, yeah, I think it is a, a, a step forward from mm. the first two albums. Uh, that, but there's still continuity there. I, I, I don't see it as a... Yeah. It's a step forward, but not a, not a huge shock for the audience, I think. No. Um, it's not like they've suddenly gone into something experimental i wonder whether there's some more american influence given that they're trying to crack america at this stage but 
to be honest, I think there was American influence all the way through, like we discussed last time, yes. the yes, you know, rather than yes. Um, it sounds like I was correcting you because you said, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah, it's yes, actually, rather than yeah. It, 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 was, it was good. I really enjoyed it. There's some that I really, really liked. There's still a couple that I'm a bit, think are a bit throwaway. Yeah. But we'll get For to sure. those. Do you want to maybe just think about what my top three are at this stage before I go into any detail? Okay, I am going to say, and I love her. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say. Uh, I don't think that's actually a song on this album. It might be on the next one. <laughs> what? Oh. <laughs> Are we sure about that? <laughs> Hold on. Just check. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about, and I love her. Oh, gosh, this was me trying to make a joke and it back, it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> my, my autistic brain the blood just drained from my face i was like what <laughs> we normally get each other's jokes you were just <laughs> you were just like oh no and i was like well that's actually not on this album <laughs> <laughs> i don't understand i don't understand <laughs> should we move on help <laughs> no that's definitely not this album i'm gonna say things we said today okay um, I, I was so wrong, aren't I? Oh, and I could say any time at all. Okay. Interesting. And my least favourite? Uh, you can't do that. Okay. I've written them down. Let's... Okay. We'll find I know out I'm wrong. I, I never, I will never, ever, ever get it right. You are, a, you are an enigma wrapped in a puzzle, wrapped in a mystery, wrapped in a, a guy um, sitting in a living room in suburbia <laughs> <laughs> so hard days night is the first track um yes. uh right so i've started by saying that great first chord so we've discussed this uh during the during the week yeah uh, but it is a really great intro to the album and you showed me that video of a shop we don't quite know where where you open the door and it does the and then plays yeah. the song so yeah it basically you open the door there's a guitar above that like like there would be a bell above the shop door and there's a guitar and when you open the door it triggers the guitar and it plays that chord and then the um and then the song starts as you walk through the door so a hard day's night very catchy really fully formed song so it's interesting that it kind of just came out of a random malapropism from Ringo because it really feels like there's been thought put into the, the lyrics into the structure into the composition it's uh it, it it feels like one of the the first like really full songs do you know what I mean yeah uh, it's so funny that you say that <laughs> because it's it, it's really a dashed off song is it last yeah, minute yeah and yeah, yeah, it just sounds so accomplished. I don't know. It's uh, mm-hmm. and it, and it stands out for for sounding like that. There's a couple on here that really sound like there's been some thought put into them, and that's one of them. But obviously not. But you know, it, it's um, good for them on making it sound like that, even if it wasn't. So I don't want to assume anything. Did you know this song quite well before? Because this is like one of the those songs I would consider culturally ubiquitous, like everywhere. I I knew it, but I didn't know it well. No. Okay. No. Okay, because like a lot of me choosing your favorites is based on like, well, he'll have heard that to death. Mm. You know what I mean? So this is mainly a John song. This is one of those things where 
years later, John is like, it was all me with no help. I, John Lennon, did all of it. Yeah. And Paul was like, well, kind of like I was there and I helped. I, I, I'm inclined generally to believe Paul. The, the opening chord, there is like endless academic discussion about what that chord is, which is bizarre to me. You would think there'd be some sort of like AI or something yeah. or any like something that could just definitively tell you what it is. But like there is like if you look at Wikipedia, there's like just reams of academic discussion and like everyone thinks it's something different. It's like it's like the Mona Lisa, like is she smiling or not? George Harrison answered it in an online chat in 2001. He said, it's an F with a G on top, but you'll have to ask Paul about the bass note to get the proper story. So basically, I don't know, ask Paul. Mm. Mm, interesting. <laughs> Which I love. Um, it's just kind of classic Beatles. I don't know. Ask Paul. Um, <laughs> but you know, like um, this is this is a bugbear of mine, which um, which will, will come up a lot. Is that Paul is in the Beatles story wildly undervalued? And I just want to give a shout out to another kind of mind and one sweet dream twin podcasts here. Um, if anyone wants to know why I feel so strongly about that, they say it much better than I do. Go and listen to them. They're amazing. They um, they have reams of historical. Um, sources and evidence and they give Paul his dues in a way that no one else does and uh, go and look at that anyway um, also Paul sings the middle eight here because it was too high for John um, Paul can do anything Paul is amazing I love Paul um, <laughs> it's a yes. balance yeah yes uh, yeah I, I said about it it's very prominent in the film it's the title it's featured at the beginning and the end they're really shoving it down your throat a little bit um, but mm -hmm. it works uh, I I've said I love the the kind of guitar piece at the end as well as the beginning like it sort of seems to be quite disassociated from the rest of the song you know that it's kind of like yeah. a bit of a picky and um it's uh it's that's really beautiful and it's like oh that sounds like another song that they could do something with anyway really good song and yes I did put it as one of my top three yay okay well I got that wrong but I think I just assumed <laughs> that you would have like well I know what you mean. And I did have a bit of like, even by the end of listening to this and watching the film, I did get a bit of like overplay just in the, in the two weeks yeah. that I spent doing it. Um, but I also was just like, I can't deny it. It's just too, yeah. you know, it's too good. Uh, and, yeah. and actually, so generally you're right. I, I don't tend to like the one I, I tend not to find my favorites of singles from artists because yeah. I'm, I like to do the deeper cuts a little bit, but mm. yeah, um, on certain albums, you're just like, no. I mean, I think on this one, the singles are just the best songs, you know. So yeah. It's difficult to, to get away from that. I should have known better. So this one took a little time to, to creep up on me. But when it did, I found that the melody was just really infectious. And I've been I've sort of been waking up with it in my head <laughs> over the last few days because it's just got that kind of tune that you yeah. just keep repeating in your, in your head. Um, I've noted in my notes... The high notes in the chorus, they just about get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said the harmonica fits in really well and the guitar sounds really good again. So I am noticing the guitar here um, as I go through the songs, which ties in with what you're saying about it really kind of being a guitar-influenced album. Mm. I, I said it feels like a continuation of With the Beatles sound on this one. I kind of... I feel like I should have known better is the, the, the most uh, the song with the most kind of links to that second album. Yeah. yeah and, yeah. you know, kind of helps bridge the way between the two. It's just an easy sing along, isn't it? Yeah. 
It is. It is. It's really good. But it's not one okay. of my. It wasn't one of my top three. So you're safe on that one. If I fell. Right. So if I fell, I said the first verse is a different tune to the rest of the song. Yes. And it is. and they never return to that melody. No. Nope. Uh, which is quite interesting from a songwriting point of view. And mm-hmm. I kind of feel that like that was a good thing to do because the tune on that first verse is kind of like, yeah, okay, quite nice. And then it really sort of, the song kind of gets going and I really love the harmonized vocals on the rest beautiful. of it. Really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I said, that's what makes the song so good. I like the following structure of the lyrics. I don't know what I meant there. Uh, the flow, <laughs> I think flowing. I, yeah, I like the flowing structure of the lyrics. Um, the sentences seem to go on forever, but it creates a movement and like a feeling of a cycle, like it has this kind of mm. cyclical feel to it, which, and that's just basically by using, like they, they never kind of end a sentence as always, and this and that, you know, um, yeah. and I, that, that works really nicely for this. Uh, the lyrics are quite cheeky. Um, I want to move on from one girl to you, girl number two, <laughs> yeah. but I need to make sure you're worth it. Uh, it's, it's not worth Classic that. John. Yeah, it's not worth upsetting girl number one if it doesn't work out with girl number two, um, <laughs> which is quite cheeky. But the the melody is just so beautiful; they kind of get away with it. You know, it. You if you don't really listen to the lyrics, I think you'd be like, "Oh, this is a lovely love song," but it's yeah, it's actually Classic John. <laughs> yeah, it's actually a bit more um, uh, not sinister, but it's sort of a bit more manipulative than that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and I said, I've, uh, oh yeah, I, I, oh yes, there's this lyric. I found that love was more than just holding hands. And I wondered mm-hmm. whether that was a bit of a callback to, I want to hold your hand. Ooh, no, I never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. They, they are, they, you know, over the years, self-referential Lennon in particular in their lyrics increasingly, yeah. um, like culminating in a song called Glass Onion at one point where he just basically just lists a bunch of Beatles songs. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, that's and there's quite one possible. Where, like, which is it that he, he goes like, I've sung to you about the walrus or something like that. Yeah, that's Glass, that Onion. Glass Onion. I told you okay. about Strawberry Fields. Yeah, Right, right, right. That's yeah. it. So it did feel a little bit like that because it's, it's, it's almost like undercutting the previous. Yeah. So... so I found that love was more than just holding hands. It's like, okay, we've done, yeah. I want to hold your hand, but now we're on something a bit more serious, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I really enjoyed that one, and it is one of my top three. Can we have a little top top three? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just play the... Backwards. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, are you surprised that that one is one I like, or...? No, I nearly put it in my top three, and then I was—I just, just—I—I—I overthink. I overthinked (laughs) it. It's interesting because, like in um, Across the Universe, which is like the Beatles jukebox movie that came out at the same time as Mamma Mia and didn't do nearly as well because it didn't have a a plot, Um, (laughs) anything resembling a plot. Um, It um, they had um, Evan Rachel Wood singing it. Um, from the perspective of a girl who liked a guy but wasn't sure if she should go for him if he, or if he liked another girl more. Right. And it worked so well. Suddenly it was a song about, like, her jealousy, like, you know, if I fell in love with you, would you promise me, would you love me more than her? Like, would you love me more than you love her rather than would you love me more than she loves me? And it changed the whole song and it was so beautiful the way she sung it. And that's when I 
fell in love with the song, so so to speak. So that really changed how I heard this song. But yeah, it's there's a lot of Lennon pettiness and jealousy um, creeping into this album, and it's it's really yeah. um, it, you know it's really important to note actually because Lennon tells on himself a lot. Mm. Um, you know, he's like, I'm a I'm a shithead, and like I don't you know, and, he, and I'm, he's honest about being a shithead. Um, you know, and I think there's a part of him that's like, well, if I say it, it's fine that I'm a shithead. And mm. it's like, it's kind of not. Um, but it's important. It's important because I think it becomes important later as not the reason. There's myriad reasons the Beatles broke up and they're incredibly complex and tied up in all sorts of business and legal and interpersonal and musical and all sorts of reasons. But I think one of the reasons is Lennon's incredibly possessive kind of rejection sensitive dysphoria where if he feels slighted or rejected and again I want to shout out another kind of mind and one sweet dream here go and listen they are incredibly well sourced and hard to argue with but if he feels like someone is pulling away from him or rejecting him or making a fool of him he lashes out Mm. and he will hurt them before they hurt him and I think that is a huge contributing factor to the Beatles breakup later on. Mm-hmm. And so like it creeping into the music, you know, in a romantic, like, you know, um, his sort of romantic relationships here is, or how he's talk- talking about his romantic relationships is really interesting. I feel like if I were Paul, I would have been listening a little harder to this. Ah, okay. You know, um, but anyway, John says this is his first um, bash at a ballad. It's another one where he takes all the credit later on, and but Paul helped out. Um, it's also, it was a big part of their live repertoire during the US and Canadian tour in, in 1964. Um, but they didn't take it very seriously. They, they, um, they often introduced it as If I Fell Over and mm-hmm. got the giggles while performing it. Um, and you can actually hear Paul, I think, kind of suppressing the giggles when he's singing those high notes. You can hear him falling off the note in on the album version on in vain he kind of goes in vain (laughs) (laughs) you know like that uh the squeaky voice teen from the simpsons um Mm -hmm. it's it's one of the rare mccartney vocals where you're like you're right paul (laughs) (laughs) Um, but uh yeah listen listen out for that next time but it's it's a beautiful song and i love it um and uh, it's one it's one that i it's one that's in my regular rotation just because i love it well, it it does sound a little bit like Lennon doing a McCartney song in a way, because it is quite schmaltzy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder whether it was that Paul felt a bit, you know, I think the reason they probably laughed doing it is because the harmony is quite delicate and intimate. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah. kind of harmonizing with each other in that way. And if you think about doing that with like a close friend, uh it may be that they felt a bit awkward <laughs> about it. But they obviously did it a lot, so they enjoyed it. I mean, if you watch Get Back, the way that they interact when they're doing that stuff mm. is so intense. Mm. Like when they are locked eyes like that. And at one point they're doing that and John even goes, it's like we're lovers. Yeah. Mm. It's like, whoa. You know, he, said, he said the quiet part loud, you know, yeah. like it, it is like they're lovers. And like, I, I, for the record, I don't think they ever were. But I think that like there is a lot of evidence to suggest that John might have liked them to be. Mm. Um, and so there probably was some awkwardness and some, you know, like them trying to make a big joke out of it. And yeah, yeah you, you probably are right. Like, I think that, you know, yeah. Interesting. I think you're onto something there. Mm. 
Um, I'm happy just to dance with you. Uh, so I said about this one, nice if a little, oh, nice if a little throwaway. Mm-hmm. A bit like the big brother of little child, question mark. Yeah. Uh, I like the elongated melody. I like the elongated melody of do-oo-oo-oo. That's all I had to say. Okay. Well, you know, it's obviously, it's a... It's a John and Paul song that they gave to George because neither of them wanted it. Yeah, that is just so clear, to be honest. And I almost get the feeling that George is doing his best, but I don't think he really wanted it either. No. Um, One fun fact is that a 13-year-old Phil Collins um, was in A Hard Day's Night um, in this scene in the movie. Oh, right. That's interesting. And he later went on to be a session musician for um for George Harrison and there's a really cute story let me let me pull it up because this is this is worth it years later um Phil Collins um played on a George Harrison record as like a young session musician what he played didn't make it onto the record it was like in in 1970 um and he was really gutted about it um, and then years later, as Phil Collins, he became um, friends with, like, friendly with George Harrison. He was remixing All Things Must Pass. And George said, oh, you were on it, weren't you? And, and Phil said, well, I was there. You know, I, I basically didn't make it onto the didn't make it onto the tape. I'm not on it. Basically, he was playing he was playing the, the congas on it. That was it. Um, and um, two days later, a tape gets delivered from George Harrison to Phil Collins with a note saying, could this be you? Suddenly the congas come in too loud and just awful. At oh. the end of the tape, you, you hear George Harrison saying, hey, Phil, can we try another without the conga player? So now, uh, Phil Spector. So now, so, so now I know they didn't go off to watch TV somewhere and say get rid of him because I was playing so badly. Then George Harrison rang back and he said, "Did he did he get the tape?" And uh, Phil said, "I now realise I was fired by a beetle." And he said, "Don't worry, it was a piss take. I got Ray Cooper to play really badly and we bu- dubbed it in. So oh my he, God. he he hired somebody to <laughs> deliberately play badly to record another version to just to send it to Phil Collins to wind him up to make him think he'd been fired for a reason. That is hilarious. Well, they got too much time on their hands. These people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, I see. See, George is George. I, I've always said is the underrated comedy writer yeah, of the Beatles. Yeah. Like that is very funny. I, I like that. I would, I, if I could afford to hire someone for a joke, that would be what I would do. <laughs> yeah, if I had that kind of money, I would just sit around playing really expensive, elaborate pranks on my friends. Like, do you want to? Do you want to help people with their heating bills? No, <laughs> I want to make my friend think he played like shit on my album, <laughs> just to make him feel bad. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Anyway, um, uh, and I love her. And I love her. Uh, I said, one of their haunting ballads, very McCartney. Mm-hmm. I think the melody line is really hypnotic and lovely. The, and I love her refrain is really good. I really enjoyed the lyric, bright are the stars that shine, dark is the sky. It's simple, but it's sung so beautifully. Plus really good acoustic guitar on this one. And it is one I really liked. I was a bit umming and ahhing whether to put it in my top three. Uh, I didn't. Sorry. <laughs> Damn it. Um, but, so close. Well, I, I found it quite similar, actually, to If I Fell, in a way. Mm-hmm. It has a, it feels like they put I'm Happy Just to Dance With You in between the two because it broke them up a bit. But yeah. they have a similarity. And it. I think they they flavor the first side of this record in quite a nice, sophisticated way. 
and make it a bit different to previous albums because they're they're these very kind of strong schmaltzy songs rather than just schmaltzy yeah. songs. <laughs> um, and no, I thought I thought it was a really good song. Do you like this one? It's one of my favorites, uh, like ever of all time. Wow. I, it's on it's on my regular rotation again. Like, um, it's just I just love it. It's it's Paul at his you know at his most Paul. Um, and again, it's one of those that um, that Lennon um, tries to take some credit for later. Oh. Where he says he says that he did the middle eight, and McCartney disputes that. Well, it's yeah, it's an in, it's quite a different middle eight, isn't it, to the rest of the song? Yeah. It kind of it works really well but i think that the actually what makes it really good are the vocals so Mm -hmm. they can't take that away from paul yeah it's a beautiful mccartney vocal Uh, but also um mccartney does credit george with the signature guitar riff and saying Mm -hmm. that it just it you know made a stunning difference to the song and he's right that's sort of you know that you know Including the last Just one is very bumps. like with yeah. real feeling, isn't it? That du, 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 du. beautiful. Yeah, love it. Uh, yeah. Tell me why. <laughs> I said I went a bit. <laughs> I went a bit up and down with this one. Sounds a bit more old-fashioned than the rest of the album, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, it has good move- movement. Um, but a bit like I'm happy just to dance with you. I find it a bit throwaway. The yes, tune is, is catchy though. Funny high pitched vocal towards the end. Uh, I quite like. I quite like that. A bit different. I said. Okay, you, that's so interesting that you picked up on that because this is one of the only times in Beatles lore where John does the high harmonies and he's singing higher than Paul. Mm, okay. Which is why it sounds weird to you. <laughs> it did sound weird to me, but there's a yeah. bit where it's just isolated the high vocal during one of the verses and without any harmony below, and it just seems a bit funny. But I liked yeah. it. I liked it because it was, I like things where a song goes an unexpected way. Can't buy me love. Okay, so this is one where I assumed that it would be uh, like played to death for you. Yeah, well, I said I knew this already and I think it's yeah. great. It's very fun, great tune, interesting lyrics, something more sophisticated than the rest of the album about it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul sounds really great. Uh, I, it's a great song. It's been in my head, you know, and yeah, I did know it, but it hadn't been played to death for me. So okay. it did make my top three for the same reason that A Hard Day's Night did. It just kind of can't really be argued with. It's just very yes. good quality. And it can't, I don't know if it's just because I, know, I knew them already, but they they just have a more full sound. It's a classic, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those that, that like... Yeah, everyone everyone will sing along to it if it comes on mm. like it might be played to death but like you put it on and everyone will everyone will just get up and start singing and dancing i think i think that's it the lyrics are simple enough to sing along to very easily without even having heard it much but also they're simple but they're they're more than just i love you you know like it's not it's it's not a uh typical lyric it's no. a bit more sophisticated but also simple enough sing along to I, I love the um everybody tells me so bit I don't know why that really sticks out of me everybody tells me so like I really like that bit so the lyric mm-hmm. just a really funny Paul quote here that uh, in in uh, 1966 he said something really weirdly arsy about it oh. was uh, I think you can put any interpretation you want on anything but when someone suggests that can't buy me love is about a prostitute I draw the line oh right I hadn't even what? thought about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like. That. Calm cool. down, Paul. No, I like it. I like the 
It's just like, like, how dare you, sir? <laughs> this is art. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, so funny. <laughs> um but yeah, he um he later um said that um, it should it should have been can buy me love because actually um it turns out that uh, money money did buy him a lot of love. Ah, uh, interesting. Well, true. Well, so, uh, we'll get on to, we'll get on to he- too much. we'll get on to Heather McCartney later. <laughs> Ooh, but actually Heather McCartney was his daughter. Oh no, who am I thinking of? You're thinking of Heather Mills. Mills, Mills McCartney, you? right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, but, did uh, yes. Like a, that did sound like that did sound like Mrs. Gibbs is my mother. <laughs> if you see what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> How about we get on to Heather Mills? Never. Um, <laughs> I'm not touching. I'm not touching that uh, that whole topic with a barge pole. That's a that is a dumpster fire of controversy that I am not going anywhere. Well, I don't think we'll get there, um, will we? If we just no, do the we albums, will not. So, nope. Nope. Um... <laughs> nope. No need. No need. No need. Um, no need to pour kerosene on that fire. Um, yeah, it's oh, also this um, this was recorded um, during their German language sessions where they did um, "Come, gibt mir deine Hand." <laughs> yes, I actually listened to a little bit of that. Did you? Yeah, I feel like I'm a hardcore fan now. Uh, it was all right. I mean, I don't think their accent was the best. <laughs> no. So yeah, they they really didn't want to do that when they uh they they I th- was it Brian Epstein or George Martin that they hid from in the hotel room to try and get out of it. Oh really? Just literally. Yeah. Well, that's like in the film, isn't it? They're basically uh hiding just to avoid doing things. Yeah. Um, pretty much. Any time at all. I said it starts with a bang. It's a good song. It moves along well. The lyrics remind me of <laughs> all I've got to do from with the Beatles. Like it's almost the same yeah. lyric. Um, it's a bit harsher in sound than that, I think, though. Uh, it's probably not all that memorable, I thought. No. Uh, but one of the really good instrumental breaks, sort of two-thirds of the way through, I really enjoyed mm. that. Um, I think you had that was one of my top three, but no, I'm sorry. No. no. Only because of the John vocal, like it sort of is tortured, yeah, like it's good. screaming vocals. I, I do like that. Why I enjoy it. Yeah, I, I, I did like that. And it does... Uh, it kind of, I think it probably suffers from coming after Can't Buy Me Love. Yeah, but probably, yeah. if it had been on the first side, I think if they put that instead of I'm happy just to dance with you, it would have cut through a lot more. Mm, yeah. Actually, yeah. You should have, you should have been George Martin. <laughs> well, yeah, it's easy to say that from a distance, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll cry instead. I said quite country. I find it a little grating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this one is my least favorite. Um, okay. To me, it sounds like it's been sped up too much. Like, you know, there was another song that, that you, that I think we said it was originally slower. And then it was, was it please, 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 please me. me. Yeah. yeah. And they were just, someone said, oh, was it George? Who was George it? Martin, yeah. George yeah. Martin said, um, uh, oh, it needs to be faster, and they literally sped it up. I felt like that had happened with this one, and it hadn't quite worked. This is another bloody John punishing all women for rejecting him. Mm. Like oh, I'm going to go around breaking all the hearts in the world. Yeah. That'll show you all. Like, oh, I think that's what I, I didn't really like. Like it starts with um, what is it? It's like uh, I've got every reason in the world to be mad, or something like that. Yeah, and I just that really like. Set me against it from the beginning. <laughs> I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't like that lyric. 
just uh, John wagging his finger like everyone like yeah. and it's just such rank hypocrisy because he was he was just like cheating left right and center like mm. you know poor Cynthia I he sort of later said it was more about his frustrations with fame and like being famous and like the romance was a kind of like an allegory for the fame and, yeah but like Paul felt it was about his marriage like his frustrations with his marriage I don't know. Cynthia was a goddamn saint. She was incredible and loving and wonderful to him. And he treated her like garbage. Mm. Um, so like, you know, he probably did feel trapped, um, you know, into marriage just as just as he was getting famous. But, yeah. you know, maybe you, maybe you shouldn't have got her pregnant then. Hmm. That's, <laughs> That's a, yeah. Fault. Well, I guess, you know, also we... You can't always make the songs autobiographical, so it may be that it was just a song, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's difficult to know, and it's interesting that they've spoken about that element of it. But um, yeah. so things we said today. Mm-hmm. I said the lyrics are interesting on this one. In the future, the 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 girlfriend is away, or they feel like they've kind of said everything that there is to say, and they'll remember the early days of the relationship and what they said to each other then, and when it was kind of more exciting and lovey-dovey probably mm-hmm. um i love how it goes minor to major unexpectedly on the today um word and mm. it took a bit of time actually this one but i ended up really enjoying it and it's another one of those haunting melodies that i quite like that they do here mm. so so this is this is not a top three song i'm guessing uh it, it isn't <laughs> but but i do <laughs> i did enjoy it i did enjoy it though I'm just choosing my favourites, aren't I? I'm just like, I'm falling into that trap. Like. This is the difficulty. And I have that difficulty with you on Kate Bush as well. I'm a bit like, mm, just because I don't like it doesn't mean that you don't love it, you know, and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. But no, it, I, I kind of, I enjoy the second half of this album, but it does feel like it struggles compared to the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, side B is a bit, and it's very much, it's very Lennon heavy side B. But, yes. But it's a bit, they're good songs, but they're not quite as polished as the ones on side A, I think. So Things We Said Today is one of my all-time favourite songs okay. ever. <laughs> not just Beatles, just like ever. Um, and right. I love it. But so, so for context, Paul is in a relationship at this point with someone who um, was a child star and is still an actress called Jane Asher. She was part of this very like sophisticated middle class, like upper middle class family. Her dad was a famous doctor. Her mum was a, a music teacher. Her brother's a musician. Um, and Paul basically moved in with them in London, um, in with her family. And they like my fair ladyed him, <laughs> introduced him to intellectual concepts and artistic things and like there's middle class crowds and like Mm. the the sort of London elites and everything um so like he's on a journey at this point with her but she she was really career focused as well and you know he comes from this quite traditional working class Liverpool background he expected his woman to be like at home like waiting for him that you know it was quite explosive there were lots of arguments and I think that um, around this time and you know certainly in future albums you'll see quite angsty songs about like you know that she's away from him a lot and that he he's not happy about it Mm. um and he's they they wrote he wrote the song 
while they were all on holiday together in the Virgin Islands with Ringo and his wife Maureen. Um, and um, and so he got this cheap acoustic guitar and he was writing songs in the evening. And he said it was basically the song about like future nostalgia, like, oh, yeah. you know, a song about looking back on and how things are now. So you, you've got you've got that 100 percent dead on. Um, but yeah, I, I love this song. I love this. Sort of mm. I guess I, it just feels really dark and sexy. And like, I love the I love the way it, um, it just it never lets up. I, I, I It's one of my favorites. I think I'll have to listen to it again in that context. But um, yeah, I'd say one I liked, but it wasn't, it didn't stand out in quite that way for me. It's also really fun to sing. This kind of, one day when we're lonely. It's mm. like the little bluesy notes in his voice come out. It's great. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's good. Very good. When I get home. So this has great movement. I really liked it. And I liked the message. He is just trying to get the stupid day done. So we can get home and tell her about the stupid day. <laughs> <laughs> I said it feels a tiny. <laughs> Did you like that? Love it. It feels a tiny bit rushed in the studio, but I like that. Like he was rushing to get home, basically. Um, <laughs> I, I really like the "Love her till the cows come home" line. I think that's quite a standout moment on the album. Uh, yeah, I thought you know it's not going to win any rewards, but it's a good it's a good old song, and it kind of has uh you're gonna tell me it's one of those rewards aren't you <laughs> no. okay I, I have just got my notes a song i always forget exists uh yeah i mean i imagine that it is again it is a bit throwaway but i actually thought this would throw away in a good way um yeah i like this one when i press play i'm like oh that one but mm. like then then i then i stop the song and it's immediately obliterated from my memory yeah yeah i i, I know what you mean well now we're coming into a controversial one Oh, John. <laughs> I said, John, mate. <laughs> I've said on this one, I like it a lot despite myself. <laughs> <laughs> John's jealousy coming to the fore and it's a controlling jealousy. But <sighs> but lines like, I'm going to let you down and leave you flat are actually really good. Um, and uh, not not in message, but in uh, metaphor. Uh-huh. Uh, and it is a bit of a bop. Yeah, it's a really I good mean, song, slightly tainted or very tainted by the patriarchal outbursts, is what I've said. Yeah, you know, it's a bit of an anthem for abusers everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the trouble, isn't it? Because it's actually like um, there's a good song under there. It's a it's a good song with a bad message, and it is it does make you a bit uncomfortable listening to the lyrics. Uh, it's just made so much worse knowing how John actually treated like you know it's not even like conceptual like I know he acted on this stuff so like it's just like oh John you know this is this is actually how he treated people Um, and 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 while doing all that stuff himself Mm. yeah Anyway, well, George Harrison wrote the intro um, and outro guitar, guitar riff in the studio, um, and uh, Tom Petty um, said that uh, Harrison told him that I was just standing there and thought, "I've got to do something." <laughs> <laughs> wow! Relatable. Yeah, we've all been there. We've all been there. Yeah. Um, I'll be back. I'll be back. Uh, a little bit of a wishy-washy final track, I said. 
some nice elements, but it doesn't hang together as well as a whole in a very interesting way. Um, I can't really remember how it goes after the song finishes. It's pleasant, but it didn't get any more than I didn't get any more than that from it. I'm sorry, sorry, Reefers Okay, fans. so so this is interesting. So like the the pretentious sort of critics love this one. Okay, um, because they're like, this is you know. This is a sign of things to come. It's, I did it's actually weird get that. Yeah, I, I got yeah. I got that it was moving in a different direction, but yeah. I don't think it was honed <laughs> yet. Yeah, and look, it's it's all over the place. It's like it doesn't know what key it's in. Mm. It's um, it has two different bridges. It doesn't have a chorus. The fade out ending is half a stanza, premature. It's like it, you know, yeah. it's, it's it's like it's all it's over the place. Very, it's a very musically. feels like a rush to get it finished, and it doesn't. Yeah. that's why I felt like it was a little bit. A, sort of wishy-washy at the end because it sort of ends on a mm. it's like oh okay oh we, we're done okay fine <laughs> see i think it's prophetic in a different way mm. and i'll tell you for why Please. so again one sweet dream podcast used this in their breakup series and i think for a very good reason i think this is this is lennon telling you exactly what his emotional process is when it comes to the mind games that he plays with the people around him mm. um where it's like you know if you listen to the lyrics like you know if you break my heart i'll go but i'll be back again like oh, i thought you'd realize that i was just like dicking around with mm. you and that like i was just leaving to make you want you know want me to tell me to come back and like it was all a big you know like i wasn't actually gonna leave you were supposed to come running after me is right. kind of the message yeah, yeah, yeah. um and i think that's effectively what <laughs> you know in in part what led to the beatles breakup was him playing that silly game of chicken um and it backfiring on him when paul was like all right bye um you know after like a year or whatever of that that's what he does with people he pushes them as far as he can push them to make them prove that he they love him mm-hmm. and um uh, you know he's telling on himself here and again if i was paul i like with hindsight i would have been like oh i wish i'd listened to that <laughs> i wish i'd been listening to that right okay huh. yeah interesting so yeah, it, it is interesting, but it is. It does feel like an ellipsis for future Beatles stuff. Mm. Well, I will find out anon. Um, and I've just very briefly done some notes on the other bits and pieces from that era. So yeah. I, I want to hold your hand. Incredibly catchy, isn't it? Uh, could have been mm-hmm. cheesy, but it works so well. They just sound amazing. The harmonies on on the word hand, fantastic. The drums really stand out for me here too, actually. Um, and I said it should have been on the album. Yeah, like at some point you're ready for the anthology, and you watch mm. that, and they talk about why they did this. Yeah, that, um, why they made this choice not to put but it's, lots of the singles on the album. It's just but a shame it because a shame. it's like if you listen to the album, you kind of want everything in one place, don't you? So yeah, like historic. I, I imagine it was like a good idea at the time, but for their legacy, historically, it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit like okay, well, why is this not here? Um, mm-hmm. This boy. Now I know this is one of your faves. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, I, I sort of <laughs> trying to work out why. <laughs> it's it's the tortured Lennon vocal. It's the harmonies. Yeah. It's it's um like yeah, that's that's pretty much it for me. It's like a barber shop quartet sort of sound on that one. Yeah. Um, but but they're, I, they're, those three voices together are just really good. heaven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Long tall Sally. Really good rock and roll. I really enjoyed that one. I know it's a cover. Mm-hmm. I call your name. They left the metronome on. I don't know if you've noticed that before. <laughs> it just goes. I didn't notice that. 
and they obviously are aware because it does drop out in the chorus or whatever. But it's uh, I think it is a I think it's a drum making the noise, but it is basically a metronome, which is interesting. Uh, I said quite good actually, though a bit forgettable. Forgettable. Um, slow down, good fun. Brr, scream, uh, <laughs> and some nice guitar noodling. Uh, and then Matchbox, I just said very clearly Ringo. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited for you to get to the real Ringo stuff. Like, um, uh, Act Naturally, it's, uh, I'm, I'm excited for that. They're going to put me in the movies. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I love Ringo. Anyway, um, so next up on the Beatles uh, journey is Beatles for Sale, okay. um, which has some of my favorite songs on it. So you're going to hate it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, and where, where are we bushwalking to next? Well, we are bushwalking to her third album, Never Forever, uh, which is three different words, Never Forever. Um, she did actually have a song called Never Forever, but no one has ever heard it. It's never okay. appeared anywhere uh, and probably never will. <laughs> but the album was named after that song, which was then taken off the album, basically. So um, before it got released, okay. <laughs> uh, a little bit of background uh, about the album name there. But it is, well, I won't give anything away. I will be interested to hear what you think. And God, it's going to be difficult to think what your top three and least favorite will be. It starts to get really difficult at this stage. Okay, well, I'm excited to to do this. Like we said, we are on social media at Beatles Bush. So you can find us there. Um, by the time this uh, airs, there will be content. Uh, we're not sure what kind of content, but there will be content. Um, so please enjoy that and uh, um, say hello to us. Tell us when we've got things wrong. Um, we love being corrected. Um, I, I am not neurotypical. Unlike neurotypicals, I like being corrected. I, I don't like being wrong. <laughs> I'd rather be, rather be right um, and, uh, and, and then, uh, then be humoured. So please, please do um, tell me. But don't tell me. No, don't tell Rob. Rob is neurotypical and, and it'll hurt his feelings. Tell me. I can take it. <laughs> Bye. And uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>